Uh, welcome to the drive-thru here at your preferred podcast app. Today's special is this podcast. Before continuing my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I wanted to announce that I will be at Conjuration Convention in Atlanta, Georgia, November 15th through 17th. I'll be doing Potterless Live with Brian from Joke and the Malfoys. I'll be doing some panels about making a podcast, how I made Potterless, etc. If you want to learn more about that, go to conjurationcon.com. And I'd love to do a meetup in Atlanta while I'm there. So it's like a month away. So get ready. I'll be there. And speaking of wizarding conventions, I just got back from LeakyCon. That's why my voice is shot. I wanted to thank the entire LeakyCon team for having me. I wanted to thank Chris Rankin for hopping on for Potterless at last minute because Tessa Netting, unfortunately, had a medical emergency and couldn't perform with me. Tessa, I'm wishing you all the best, and I'm excited to have you on in the show in the future. Thanks to all of Multitude and everyone that helped put on the Multitude live show on Thursday. It was absolutely incredible. Thanks to Helen Zaltzman for being my guest for the Potterless segment of that live show. Thanks to my buddy Chris, who let me crash with them for a few days and just a huge shout out to every new friend that I made every familiar face that I got to see again anyone that came to any of the programming I was on at LeakyCon or the meetups whatever you came to however I saw you this weekend you all were a huge part of one of the best weekends of my life that I'm never going to forget and I want to thank all of you so much for contributing to that and finally, I forgot to do this last week, but it's donation time here at Potterless. At the beginning of the month, we donate $1 for every member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless to a new charity. And at the time of recording, we have 874 patrons, meaning we'll be donating $874 to the Children's Rehabilitation and Inclusion Teleton Center. There is an official Mexican name for this that I will butcher, so thankfully, there's an English translation that I didn't do too bad on. This charity was suggested to me by listener Mariana, who taught me a lot about it. Basically, this is a foundation in Mexico that is dedicated to the rehabilitation of children with any kind of neuromuscular disease. They have multiple foundations that work with multiple rehabilitation centers across the country to help children with whatever kind of service they need, whether it's medical consultations, therapy sessions, clinical studies, all sorts of great stuff. If you want to learn more about this charity, you can go to teleton.org and thank you, Mariana, for this suggestion. And speaking of thanking people for doing great things, we have new patrons, so welcome to the team. So shout out to Violet Sullivan, Sasha Daniels, Kaylin Teeling, Claudine Sinorn, Fiona Graham, Julia Kendall, Melissa C. McCloskey, Sydney Myers, Heinrich Heimtweit Nudson, Zoe Heller, Esme Smithson, Lori Guerra, Mackenzie Dillon, Annie Saiteri, Alyssa Scoff, Daniel Muller, Beatriz, and the return of Miriam Yafrosh. And a huge shout out to our new producer-level patrons, Heather Langeal, and the return of Weekend at Dead Cat Ladies. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie Cloud, Frank Marchismo, Samantha Juan, Abid, Rosemary, Maria Lisa, Rumina Kamel, Russell, Audra, Eleanor, Rossan, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Ali, Cat, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Srujanetta, Remy, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Skymart, Sarah, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Itzel, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Edel, Professor Threat, Kelsey, Ellie, Lubin, Maleo, Lena, Daniel, Lee, 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 Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Cara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Andrea, Carrie, Jamie, Camillo, Connie, Janet, Mary, Emo, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, 
Artemis, Brett, Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermione, Lior, Megan, Out of Context, Liam, Melena, Marcos, Ella, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Jennifer, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Carutera, Sarah, McKenna, Six Awkward Nine, Tuesday, Anthony, Peter, Steamed Nuggets, and Carrot Eye Potter, who never failed to realize that there are forks in the silver or bin, they just didn't see them, and they didn't have to resort to eating cantaloupe with a knife. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, exclusive live streams, director's commentary, merchandise, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 97 of Potterless, the second part of this three-part series covering the movie version of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, guest starring Megan Fruhoff and Travis Fruhoff. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man who finally read the Harry Potter series for the first time and is now watching the movies. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that 27-year-old man, and I am here joined again by two lovely members of my family. That would be Megan Fruhoff and Travis Fruhoff. Fam, how's it going? Oh, it's going so well. Oh, buddy, good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad to have you back here to discuss, actually probably discuss this film, seeing as the last episode all we did was dunk on it for an hour well i mean <laughs> uh we spit hot fire and it's truth let's be honest we're telling the truth we spoke for an hour and we got into the like the first or second class yeah. so it's like, we... i guess this would be a good movie if you were 12 but like i'm not so <laughs> and mike i may i may be getting ahead of myself but are we going to discuss all the awards this movie won? Or oh, did it win awards? Not, I, I haven't looked. I can't imagine it did. Kids' Choice Award for oh, Hottest Teacher. That's yeah. probably true. There's a Nickelodeon <laughs> Slime Award somewhere. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. We take it back. Kids' <laughs> Choice Awards definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pick it up where we left off. The last note that I had was Neville's puberty is truly astonishing. And the <laughs> next note that I have is so is Oliver Wood's accent because they get into the scene where the Gryffindor Quidditch team is supposed to be practicing Quidditch, but Snape has written a note, which somehow just allows Slytherins to do whatever they want because someone wrote a note. But you know what else is astonishing? Marcus Flint's teeth. They are. (laughs) In need of some braces for show. I'm sure that they cast Marcus Flint as the evil seeker based on his teeth, but man, they are are something else. I hope that that actor has gotten it sorted out because it was... It was just a bit jarring to see. (laughs) Did you just not remember? Uh, Oh, no, I remembered. I knew going into it because I had recently watched the Quidditch scenes for a a podcast I was on. So I had to watch the scenes. And yeah, Marcus Flynn's teeth, man. Full display. He's supposed to be like repeating a year or two, right? Oh, really? I didn't remember that. He got held back a year? Is that a thing? Yeah, he got held back. And I want to say he was actually the one that like got lost in the vanishing cabinet, which is how like Draco got the idea. That was Montague. Oh, okay, never mind. Well, yeah. I think Marcus I think Marcus Flint is like held back a year though. Okay. I'll have to look into that. I didn't remember that. I, I have I no idea know. if anybody wants to know my opinion. <laughs> Trav's like, who are we talking about? (laughs) So a little bit later on in this scene, Malfoy ends up calling Hermione a mudblood. And this is the first time 
that she has heard it if you're going by the books, but in the film, she already knows what mudblood means. Travis, for reference, this is basically... It's pretty much on par with like saying the N word to yeah. someone that was oh. blood. I feel oh. it's like slightly less bad just because not everyone's instant reaction is, oh my goodness, what are you doing? But it's it's approaching that level. Yeah. If you're going by pure blood versus mud blood, it is still racially charged or effectively racially charged. So it's it's kind of on par with that. So basically anybody that uses that word is a racist? Yep. Yes. Pretty much. Pretty much. You only see truly bad people call Muggleborn's mudblood. Yeah. Mm. And okay. other Muggleborns don't call themselves mudbloods either. Mm-mm. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. What is funny in this scene, though, is right after he says it, most people react violently because it is a bad word. But then off in the distance, you can hear a girl go, oh, He said mudblood. <laughs> 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 Which is so good. Who is that girl? <laughs> She just became famous. You just said it too, girl. Yeah. <laughs> he said butler. Oh, no. Oh, heavens me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is more effective in the book. Like, Hermione's like, what did he call me? And Ron has to, like, explain that it's not good. Where in the movie, Hermione's like... He called me the worst word ever. That's not something she would read in a book, I don't think. Like, she wouldn't have known that. Yeah, that would be so strange if, I don't know, it's just in the dictionary and it says, oh, this is a really bad one, folks. You're not going to want to say this word a whole lot. So, yeah, that's something that they change in the books to the movie. In the books, what happens is Ron tries to jinx Draco, but because he has the broken wand, he says eat slugs, but it bounces back. So Ron is then vomiting slugs. Again, like we should all know that that's not a real spell. Like all the spells are in Latin, Ron. Mm-hmm. You can't just say things and wave a wand. I mean, it works, just not on the right person. Uh, yeah, and it shouldn't. <laughs> but it did. <laughs> it really just shouldn't. <laughs> to me, this might have been one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Um, you know, Ron really nailed the role of throwing up slugs. Just His acting all- was on par. <laughs> I mean, I felt like he was miserable doing that. Good job, Ron. Yeah. Travis mm-hmm. like couldn't watch it. <laughs> it's very convincingly he was like, gross. This is disgusting. Yeah. Why are they still doing this? Like, <laughs> we got it after the first two, but he just kept going and they kept mm-hmm. filming it. And they were like, Yeah, let's do like Five more slugs, and then we'll cut it. And you'd think this would have been the last time he tried to do a spell on somebody else. Yeah, with his nope. S- no, with his scotch taped one. He didn't learn from the slugs. <laughs> he did not learn from the slugs. He did not. Ron may not have learned, but you know who did learn? Past Mike. Hey, it's me, Editing Mike. How's it going? So in the last episode, we thought that it would be very silly for Hogwarts to have scotch tape, but it is in the books, and we just happened to forget that spellotape is a thing, which is a joke on tape, which is apparently what the Brits call scotch tape or the scotch tape equivalent across the pond. So it's a joke. It's a pun that's very fun, and thanks to everyone that pointed it out to me. Anyway, back to the podcast. So they have to figure out how to fix this. Harry says Hagrid will know what to do. In the books... They go there, Ron is puking slugs into a bucket, and Hermione and Harry ask, Draco called Hermione a mudblood, what does that mean? And then Ron is actually the one to explain it. But this is a theme, this has happened in the first movie and now this one. They take away some of the things that make Ron a smart and competent wizard and then give them to other characters, which is... A bit of a bummer because I think the movies make him out to be more dopey than he actually is. Yeah, I agree. Like, honestly, one of the things they need Ron for is, like, integrating into wizarding society. Because 
that's the only thing Hermione doesn't really know because she grew up with muggles. And Harry, even though he's a half-blood, it's the same way where he doesn't know what's going on because he also didn't even know he was a wizard until he was 11. So, like, Mm -hmm. they don't understand what a wizarding family is like. So, yeah. Ron is cool in school right now? With the Gryffindors. He's not necessarily cool in school. But he's from a family where there are cool people. People seem to very much enjoy his older brother's friend, George. They're kind of the class clowns. Bill is super cool and attractive. Bill and Charlie are like super cool. They've been graduated for a while. Mm -hmm. Like Bill is a curse breaker. And then Charlie's a dragon trainer. And then Percy, nobody likes Percy because he's a douche. Mm. And then the twins, everybody likes the twins. Classic case of overacting, Ron. (laughs) Ron's like kind of cool because he's Harry Potter's friend and Harry Potter's famous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they did change it to where Hagrid is the one that explains what this means and cheers up Hermione instead. And and though that's a bit sad because I like that Ron is in charge of some things in the books and actually knows some stuff. The actor that plays Hagrid does such a good job of this. The way he is so nice and comforting and caring towards Hermione after this is oh I know I I got a little choked up I was like oh Hagrid and Hermione moment Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like legit the movies are very pro Hagrid (laughs) between the first movie and this movie like he has way more FaceTime in the movies than he ever does in the books Mm, like he's not really that much of a major character in the books. Is like he a he's big... there. He's the giant. Yeah, and yeah oh, but yeah. Is, is he a big like movie star maybe in Europe, Mike? I think so. I think he's he's a more accomplished British actor. All of the people that they got to play adults throughout the entire film series are incredibly talented and incredibly well resume gifted people like Maggie Smith is a huge get the lady that plays McGonagall the dude who played Lockhart in this movie did a bunch of stuff even they get for little bit roles they get David Tennant in the fourth movie and he was Doctor Who and was in a bunch of other stuff so they get some really solid actors and it's funny because there have been interviews where sometimes they've asked these very accomplished actors and actresses why did you agree to be in such a small part of the movie and they would have to say my kids are obsessed with them I had the opportunity opportunity how could i not how can i turn this down when they were still like getting new characters for like the later movies then it became like they got really big names to play kind of small parts because they were like i just want to be in it nice so also hagrid says cod swallop again which is just a very fun thing that i don't think happens in the (laughs) books but does in the movies so (laughs) i I think it's just oh we did it for the last one don't worry that that has been cleared up but I think this might just be the actor that plays Hagrid really enjoys saying Codswallop and he just keeps improvising and finding a way to <laughs> pepper it in. I don't know if he lost a bet with someone and he had to make sure Codswallop was in the film. But <laughs> <laughs> It's like that scene in Super Troopers where they have to say meow 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> so later on, there's a scene where Hermione asks McGonagall about the Chamber of Secrets in Transfiguration class, which makes a lot less sense than how it actually goes down in the book because in the book they get Professor Bins the history teacher to talk about it in history class so it kind of makes more sense he is a ghost they have to sort of trick him into talking about it too whereas just in the middle of transfiguration (laughs) 
Hermione raises her hand and asks about the Chamber of Secrets. Now, there was just a traumatic thing that happened in the school where the cat was frozen and there was what looked like blood to be written on the walls. But it's very strange to ask about this in Transfiguration class because this is the class where you turn one thing into another. It's very off base to ask about the history of something in non-history class. I agree. Also, did you notice how many like birds and other animals McGonagall had in her classroom? No, I didn't see. (laughs) There were like 20 caged animals (laughs) when they like did the fly through of the classroom. And I was like, what is this? I don't remember McGonagall having a bunch of pets. I mean, she is a cat, so she kind of wants to surround herself with birds. I mean, she is a cat, but like she doesn't have a cat. She is one. (laughs) (laughs) I was impressed. I I was thinking these kids have like thick skin, like 12 year olds seeing a bunch of blood written on a freaking wall. Oh yeah. We didn't even really talk about that, Mike. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty true to form in the movie, how it happened in the book. The only thing is that Hermione with complete confidence says that it's written in blood. It's paint and it's not She's like, it's red. It's definitely blood. But she doesn't even question it in the movie. She just goes, it's written in blood. And then it's not. (laughs) Also, like all of the teachers are there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I noticed this. It's like a bunch of teachers. And then all of a sudden, Dumbledore mentions how Professor Sprout has like the mandrakes are growing. And all of a sudden she pops out out of nowhere. (laughs) Like She shouldn't have been there. She belonged in the greenhouses, but she was like, oh, I'm here too. You mentioned my name. I'm growing the mandrakes. Don't worry. (laughs) How convenient that everyone was there. Yeah. So again, the McGonagall thing talking about this is strange, but as will be my policy for the movies and all other Harry Potter entities, I will not complain about more instances of getting McGonagall in the mix. Mm-hmm. Just give her more lines, give her more scenes. This was a whole big hot button issue with the second Fantastic Beast movie is that according to age, McGonagall shouldn't have even been alive. I or know. if she was, she was like an infant for when Fantastic Beasts took place. And all these people were very upset because, oh, you know, the timeline's all screwed up. She's not supposed to be alive yet, blah, blah, blah. But think about it. Are we actually getting mad about more McGonagall? Never. Like, are, we, Never. are we actually going to get upset about <laughs> this sure yeah she's not gonna be alive whatever i don't care give me mcgonagall something's got to make this franchise good because the second movie was trash so let's get more mcgonagall up in this mix more mcgonagall please i think i could win the presidency on the slogan of more mcgonagall that's all (laughs) the only campaign is i will make sure we get more mcgonagall i don't doubt you could actually do that I think, like, A, they didn't want to introduce Professor Bins because, like, he's a ghost. It's a whole... Right. Yeah, but it definitely makes more sense that the question would come up in history class. Also because, like, it's like a thing everyone knows that everyone falls asleep in Professor Bins' class except Hermione. So, like, it's not... Like, that question would rise a bunch of suspicion being asked in that class Mm -hmm. like it would in the middle of Transfiguration class where the entire second year class is present, not just two schools either. (laughs) Whole big thing, whole big thing. I mean, if you're already paying Maggie Smith, you might as well get her in more scenes. So after this scene, there's a couple things that are very different in the movie versus the book. There's an entire thing that happens in the books called the Death Day Party, Travis, where one of the ghosts, nearly headless Nick, who's played by a Monty Python guy, he has a Death Day Party to celebrate 
the anniversary of his death with all of the ghosts and there's weird food and all these shenanigans and it's an entire chapter in the book and for the movie they just cut the whole thing which I get because it's not super important but there are some fun elements to it so that's just completely nixed and then also after they see the writing on the wall and they are supposed to be brought in to a side room with the heads of the houses to talk about what happened with the squad rather than talk about it in the hallway in front of all the students. They're supposed to be brought aside. They also don't mention the whole Filch being a squib thing, meaning that he doesn't know how to do magic, even though his parents are magical. So he should be able to do magic. So hmm. kind of trim the fat on a lot of things and then eventually get into another Quidditch match. Oh, back to Quidditch. You know, mm-hmm. the first time that started, I'm like, sweet. Finally, I, something I can get behind. <laughs> you know, you got to give the people what they want. And yes. I think a big thing for the movies was doing Quidditch because my gripes with Quidditch are with the rules and stuff. It is cool. Like it's people f- playing a sport on brooms. That's cool. So I get why it was very important to get a bunch of Quidditch and not cut any of that from the movies because it's fun visuals and the kids are going to love it. And I didn't get anything other than why isn't everyone else going after this little ball if all you have to do is grab it and game over. So that's the thing. It's against the rules for anyone else to catch it, which I think is very foolish. And it stops the game and gives you 150 points, but it doesn't necessarily win you the game. Okay. um, On this topic as well, I... I'm not a structural engineer, um, <laughs> but that little ball did some damage to those ranky dank wooden stands. There should be mass hysteria. Everyone should be running for their lives or yep. hopping on their brooms, yep. whatever it is they do, and getting the f out of there. That whole stadium is Everyone's just to come cheering down. along. It's like we're all gonna die. <laughs> This is definitely not going to implode. Okay. 100%. Yeah, that's definitely a thing they added in the movie that wasn't really described in the books. But yes, as I was watching it, I knew that that took place. But you're right. There are a lot of support beams that get completely <laughs> pummeled and pulverized by this bludger. None of these beams were actually necessary. It's all for That's sure. the thing. If you can destroy that many beams and the entire grandstands are completely fine, you have a very foolish design. You have over-designed these stands. They're, you've wasted so much wood. Yeah, exactly. Travis was like, Travis was like, why is this stadium not coming down? And I was like, magic. <laughs> 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 Turns out they never needed the beams yeah. in the first place. <laughs> it's all just for show. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like when you have exposed beams in a modern building. They're not doing anything. Yeah. We know that's not holding anything up. It's just pretty. But hey, I personally, huge sucker for exposed beams and exposed brick. Oh, I love it so much. Both of you will see at the wedding, the whole reception hall is just ex- exposed beams galore. Nice. Oh my nice. gosh, it's incredible. <laughs> So many exposed beams. Yes. I, as an architect, love exposed beams. But like <gasps> yes. back when they were invented, they were actually structural as well. Right. They served a purpose. <laughs> well, and I've learned to love them because my wife always points them out in every home we go in that has beams. Hey, so as someone you, as someone that is engaged to an architect, I now understand some of these things and have new appreciation for <laughs> terms that I didn't even know existed will be walking down the streets of New York and I'll say, ah, that building has a nice curtain wall, which <laughs> is not a wall made out of curtains. It is not. <laughs> Have you learned about dormers yet? Oh, what are these? Oh, ask Ooh. Kelly. That's on the Aren't next episode. architectural females the best? <laughs> We're going to turn to architectural correspondent Kelly Beckman to, t- <laughs> to tell us what about What are these. dormers? <laughs> tell us about dormers, Kelly. 
And now it is time for architecture. Quandaries with architecture. Correspondent Kelly Beckman. A dormer is a form of a roof window. You have a pitched roof structure, and then a plane, often containing a window, projects vertically beyond that pitched roof. It's used to create usable spaces out of lofts or to bring light into attics, typically. It's a very suburban house kind of architectural element. The word dormeur is derived from the Middle French dormeur, meaning sleeping room. His dormer windows often provide light and space to attic-level bedrooms. This has been Architecture. Quandaries with Architecture. Correspondent Kelly Beckman. Wow, thanks so much, Kelly. So architectural. Look at me. I'm now wearing all black because that's (laughs) all architects wear. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly's even on an intramural soccer team with her architect company, and they always get the black t-shirts for this New York sports league. (laughs) Every year, they're always the black team, which is the most architect thing possible. (laughs) (laughs) for everyone wearing black. Maybe it's a New York architect thing specifically, but every architect in New York that I know wears black all the time. Kelly has many pairs of black pants. (laughs) It's a lot of black and white. A couple of my teachers actually worked in New York and would like come back to Philly to teach, but... A lot of them had round glasses. Oh, yeah. yes. I remember that and as a thing. Round, in all black. I, I yeah. close my eyes and that's who I picture. I'm with you, Mike. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, definitely a couple of them were all black. It wasn't as universal, I guess. And uh, my, where I work now, that's not the case. Right. Well, it's Texas. You can't wear black. You'll just radiate heat and yeah, you'll burn exactly. to a crisp. That's so you true. can't wear any clothes in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, <laughs> listeners we at home, Megan and Travis are both wearing nothing. <laughs> Very comfortable family we have here. Texas, the land of no clothes. <laughs> Total nudist. Yeah, they, I made them turn off their air conditioner for this podcast, so they just had to strip it all. Yeah. All right, this is a joke. So before Quidditch happens... Oh, no, yeah. So anyway, Harry Potter. Um, I have a question, though. Before Quidditch happens, Hermione gets the most potent potions book from the library. Mm-hmm. Correct? In the book, she gets it from the restricted section. I do not remember, but that sounds correct. Okay, I thought, and I don't know if this is true or if this is just because I read way too much fan fiction, <laughs> but I thought she, like, convinced Lockhart to sign the permission slip yes, yes. to go no, to the restricted section because he's, like... So dumb, and she could convince him to do that. Yes, that definitely happened in the okay. books. That was a whole thing. Because in the movie, she just like picks it off the shelf, and she's like, "Polyjuice." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is Buck Wild. That even in the film series, an entire thing in the first movie is that they had to get around the restricted section, and in the second one, it's just let's get this book that we're making this thing that I have identified will get us in trouble if we make it, yeah. but. <laughs> It's just here. It also takes months to make, but no big Ugh, deal. This months. is like easily accessible through the school library. Right. It's just there. It's all good. Here, make this potion you're not allowed to make. And turn it to someone else for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to the Quidditch. Something I found very interesting about the way they do it in the movie. There's a lot of times where people aren't throwing the ball. They're punching it or kicking it or hitting it with their brooms. And every time I see it, it's all methods of moving the ball that are 
definitely slower than throwing it. When have you ever watched Major League Baseball and you see CC Sabathia just toss the ball up in the air and then punch it towards home plate? Like, it's going to go way slower. Throwing is definitely the best method. I don't know why they're doing all this other stuff because it looks cool. Uh, it's so silly. I don't know. Maybe because they're British and they're just like more used to soccer. Yeah, but and, like they don't really throw balls. It's lot. all like flair. They're doing front flips on the broom and then hitting it. But then the bottom of a broom is made of straw. That's going to dampen so much. It can't, it's not going to hit it. It's not a, not exactly a Louisville slugger here we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Dude, it's funny. I did not even notice that. And now yeah. if I ever watch this movie again, I will not unsee <laughs> it. <laughs> other movies that have Quidditch scenes that you could watch that you would enjoy more than number two. Uh, is that true, Mike? Yeah, the later scenes I think work a little bit better, but one thing that is in this Quidditch scene that's incredible is the Slytherin team runs the flying V from the Mighty Ducks <laughs> film franchise, and oh my goodness. Gosh, it makes me so happy. It makes no sense in this sport because the sport has four different balls, so it behooves you to be more spread out and not all be together, but oh man, it looks so cool. <laughs> Balls. Well, oh, four total balls, three types of balls. There you oh. go. <laughs> Technicality. <laughs> there, yes, yes, yes. We were both correct, just in different ways. Yes. So later on, I did have a note about all the beams getting destroyed. Something else that happens is Colin Creevy, the little kid with the camera, is just <laughs> the on the pitch. <laughs> He's just on the field and takes a picture of this. What are you doing? Get out of the field. Like Colin Creevy gets the shot. <laughs> He's like, fuck the stands. This is where I stand. <laughs> <laughs> He's an investigative journalism. I got to get down onto the field to see this. First year, no shame. That kid's going on to work for Getty Images. He uh, is. National Geographic something. I was proud yeah. of the kid. Way to get out there. Spoiler alert. He doesn't make it past book seven. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> now I'm definitely not watching. R.I.P. Creepy. Taken too soon. So then Malfoy crashes in dramatic fashion and gets the wind knocked out of him. I don't believe this happens in the book either. I think Harry just out grabs him to catch the snitch. But then the evil bludger keeps coming at Harry, keeps attacking him. And then Hermione has to come onto the pitch again and stop it. Which, like, where are the adults? <laughs> Hermione saves the day again. First, Lockhart's class. Next, stops the bludger. She literally saves their life at every turn. She's a second-year student, and she's more competent than all the professors. <laughs> she is 12, possibly 13 years old. It's bonkers. It is so bonkers. <laughs> and she is more competent than the people teaching. I mean, even Haggard at one point, they cut to him when the bludger is chasing Ari. He's like, oi, that's a cursed bludger. <laughs> It's like, well, someone should do something. Also, was Hagrid there in the book? Again, the movie just loves Hagrid. <laughs> He's not really supposed to be there, but they were just like, put him in this scene yeah. too. Hey, he's just standing around. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we should use him. Plug him in. Get him out there, coach. <laughs> he's like the fourth member of the trio in this movie. But sir, this is not at all how it is in the books. Well, this is how it is in this GD movie. Get him in there. Hagrid? You've paid me a lot of money to be in this film. <laughs> so they end up taking Harry and Malfoy into where Madame Pomfrey, the, the school infirmary. nurse, the healer, is taking... Yes, thank you, You're the welcome. infirmary. <laughs> 
wherever Madame Pomfrey sets up her. <laughs> I was, I did, well, I didn't want to say the nurse's office because she's more than a nurse. Honestly, and I will defend this. I think her job is more important than being a doctor at a wizarding hospital because you have so many kids that have no idea what they're doing. I think the rate of injury at Hogwarts has to be higher than anywhere else in the wizarding world until the war happens. That's totally fair. I just don't think she has like a doctorate degree, but that doesn't mean she's not competent. Like when I go to the doctor, the nurse does like 90% of the things. Yeah, that's what I was thinking the other day. I went to the dentist and I go into the room and I had this very nice lady also named Kelly and she was explaining, hey, I'm going to do your cleaning and take x-rays and stuff. And then Dr. What's-His-Face is going to come in and he's going to give you the actual examination. So she comes in, she does x-rays, she cleans my teeth, she cleans my retainers. She gives me tips about how to floss. She does the whole scrapey thing on my teeth. She does the polishing that they put on your teeth. All this other stuff tells me all of this things. 30 minute deal with just her. And then she's like, yeah, now here comes in Dr. What's-His-Face. And Dr. What's-His-Face comes in and he leans me back in the chair and then just looks. And every time he notes something with a tooth, he was like, I assume you took note of, of the sealant fading on tooth three. And she's like, yep, took note of that. And literally everything he brought up she was like yep i did and then two minutes later he walks out like she did all the work (laughs) she did everything the nurses do so much yeah i guess it's the grunt work and and i'm sure dr what's-his-face did the nurse stuff for however many years but i felt kind of bad she did so much more for me and i feel like she was deferring to him. It's like, hey, you really took care of me today. This dude just strolled in and was like, yep, looks good. When we had Rory, like, our nurse almost delivered her because I had her on a weekend and there was only one doctor for two different hospitals. And he was, like, at the other one doing a C-section. Our nurse was like, well, we might have the baby just together and not even have a doctor there. But, but here, yeah. here, when shit hits the fan, you want a, you want a doctor on hand, not a nurse. Yeah. And same with like going back to the dentist conversation. It's when you got root canals or need like right. major yeah, work done to your mouth that doctor comes in and saves the day. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's probably what it is. Since I was just in there for cleaning, you don't need doctor what's-his-face to come no. in right. and give me his expertise because, look, my teeth are great. I brush Every day, morning and night, floss. I'm I'm doing great out here. I use retainer bright on my retainers, keep them nice and clean. All around hygiene on you, dude. Way to go. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. We're impressed with your teeth, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's an audio medium, so anytime I can talk about physical things for me that are going well, I got to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, respect for all the nurses out there, but also yeah. the doctors. Yeah, ultimately, I'm not trying to disrespect Dr. What's-His-Face. I just think that I like Nurse how you Kelly, don't even know your doctor's name. <laughs> well, because the thing is, there's multiple dentists at this practice, and I used to always go on Fridays when I had a 9 to 5, because Fridays were a little looser, so that's when I would always put my doctor's appointments. But this time I went in on a Tuesday, and on I found out Tuesday. that the lady that I'd seen the first two times, she was someone that only worked Fridays and Saturdays. So gotcha. I had this new guy. His hair was more voluminous than mine. He looked like Jimmy Neutron. It was nice. <gasps> Were you jealous? No, because I looked at his hair and I felt good about how like I think I'm at the upper echelon of what volume needs to be and anything more gets excessive. <laughs> Like, my hair is the limit of volume. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's hair must be more deflated than mine. I love that, dude. It's not that everyone has to be. I just think that but I But you am... don't respect people that are more voluminous than you. I still respect him. I just, I'm not going to put my hair anymore because then I will look like Jimmy Neutron. And then that's a problem. 
so that, hey, you know, Halloween's coming around. That could be a future costume for me. Don't jump the shark. <laughs> yes. You don't want to jump the shark into Jimmy Neutron territory. Anyway, Harry Potter. Anyway, Madame Pomfrey is the best. Madame Pomfrey is the best. Hey, it's me, Ed Edgar I've missed you all so much. You know what else is the best? Having a roof over my head. So in order to make that happen, we need to take a little bit of a break for Wingardium Edredosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Perfect Snacks. Let's say hypothetically that you are staying at the hotel for LeakyCon and you decide to use the gym because Stanislav Ionevsky, you know, the guy who played Victor Crumb in the movies, he says that it's the second best hotel gym he's ever been to and his biceps are enormous. So you decide to use a gym for a workout and it is great, but oh no, you don't have room for all your protein powder and milk. You need something to replenish your body and get protein in you after a workout before you go talk in a bunch of panels at LeakyCon. What are you going to do? You're going to eat a perfect bar from Perfect Snacks. Yes, this is is a true story. <laughs> Perfect Bars are Perfect Snacks line of fresh from the fridge protein bars. They're made with freshly ground nut butter. They have up to 17 grams of whole food proteins made up of 20 different superfoods that all combine to make a protein bar that is delicious, nutritious, and you actually look forward to eating. And it doesn't just have to be a protein bar. It can be a snack. It can be a quick breakfast on the go. If you don't have time to make it, it comes in great flavors like dark chocolate peanut butter, almond butter, coconut peanut butter, chocolate chip, just straight up peanut butter. So many options. I'm being 100% serious. I really enjoy these bars and I'm so thankful that Perfect Snacks sent me a bunch of them, eat them at workouts, eat them in snacks, eat them all the time. The creaminess of having a refrigerated protein bar is so nice, especially if you leave it out and let it melt a little bit. It kind of gets that cookie doughy texture. It's really good. And they'll make you feel good too because they're gluten-free, soy-free, kosher, low GI, and made in the USA. And if you're wondering like I was, what does low GI mean? It means they're more slowly digested and absorbed and metabolized in your body, which gives a slower ride in blood glucose and therefore insulin levels. Doesn't that sound great? It does. And if you want to save money on these tasty bars, you are in luck because as a Potterless listener, you can get 15% off your order online if you go to perf.bar slash Potterless. Again, that's P-E-R-F dot B-A-R slash Potterless. You'll get 15% off your order. Make your day a little more perfect with a perfect bar from Perfect Snacks at perf.bar slash Potterless. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards or open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. They go to Madame Pomfrey's. She is incredible. Love her. But what's great is they're tending to Harry's now flimsy, boneless arm because Lockhart sucks. Is it? Douche. But what's great that's added in the movie that wasn't in the book is Malfoy is in his bed and he's moaning and complaining about how things hurt. And Madame Pumphrey just says something to the effect of like, silence, Malfoy. <laughs> just no, she's like, you're up. fine. You got dismissed <laughs> an hour ago or whatever. <laughs> she's like, get out of here. You're good. Just leave. <laughs> so fun. Okay. So I had a problem with this. Okay. As a fan of Snape. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I hate that you like Snape now because the only reason you like him is because of fan fiction and not oh. stuff that's in the book. No, I mean, he oh. redeems himself at you the You like end. the idea of Snape. Of course I do. The idea of Snape is amazing. But not actually him. The idea. Ugh. Anyway, the Skelligro, that fancy schmancy bottle it's in, like... No, uh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Snape brews all the potions for the infirmary, so it would not look like that. It's not like they're like buying shit. I mean, also Skelligro is the worst named thing in the whole Harry Potter universe, aside from maybe the put outer. But Skelligro, really, that's all we came I up agree. with. That's all we got here. Oh, it grows your skeletons. Skelligro. It sounds like when you make a bad startup and they just hybrid two words or just take out all the vowels of an existing word <laughs> every startup ever oh movement watches no it's just MVMT it makes like, me think of like miracle grow miracle grow <laughs> <laughs> like the plant soil yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyway the bottle is excessive mm -hmm. Snape would never use that yes and there's no way they're purchasing it if they have a potions master on staff. So it is a little stupid. Yeah, well, you wouldn't need to. That'd be a waste of money. It would be a total waste of money. Silly, so silly. So a later on scene that does involve your boy Snape is the dueling class between yes. Snape and Lockhart. And the way that they do this duel is very silly. Oh, yes. thank you for saying that. They step apart, they walk away, and then Lockhart, who is kind of leading the show here and is acting like Snape is his first mate, but really Snape is much more competent, he tells the class and Snape, okay, we're going to say one, two, three, and then begin. So Lockhart goes one, 
two, three, and then Snape immediately goes Expelliarmus, and Lockhart just says nothing and gets knocked with Expelliarmus. It's like, dude, you were the one counting. Yep. Why didn't you do he something? He doesn't even say it quickly. Yeah. He caught me off guard. Snape says it so slow, too. He's like, Expelliarmus. You just gonna let me do this? Alright. Also, Snape can do, like, non-verbal and wandless magic, and he's like, slowly saying Expelliarmus and Lockhart still can't go fuck. I'm going to give Snape the benefit of the doubt here and say that he overpronounced it so that all of the students could know what he said. Oh, one million percent he is. He's being a teacher. He's being a teacher. I mean, so (laughs) are these teachers enemies? Because like, didn't like go over there. Hey, you know, I hit you a little hard there. Sorry, you okay? It was just like, all right, who's next? Kids? Well, Expelliarmus is not really supposed to do that much Yeah, that damage. was a problem. It's only supposed to remove the wand from the hand. The fact that Lockhart gets completely blasted on his ass is like, I don't know, either because Snape is really powerful and Lockhart's not, or because it's dramatic for the movie. I can't remember. I'm going to go like with the Lock- latter there. Well, I feel like Lockhart does get it. like knocked on his ass in the book though Mm. yeah he does I don't think it's the first thing though I think the first thing is Expelliarmus and then his wand knocks away and then the second time he knocks yeah I think that they duel a little bit longer in the book yes they do okay but Snape, like, clearly, easily defeats him. Yeah, the other thing is, Travis, to your point, the other teachers at the school don't respect Lockhart. No, Because they all, all kind of think he's a hack and he's self-obsessed. So when Lockhart thinks he's going to destroy Snape in a duel, Snape, who is very good at dueling, <laughs> takes the opportunity to show Lockhart up in front of the students. So he has a little bit of ulterior motives of, I don't like this guy, so I'm going to kick his butt. Gotcha. Yeah. And teach the students. But also, like, in the most nonchalantly easy way. He's like, I'm going to kick his butt by literally doing nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, one thing that I forgot to mention is that before the scene takes place, something that they cut from the books is the scene where Ron, Harry, and Hermione try to steal ingredients from potions class from Snape and they got caught, which I was looking it up. This actually causes a continuity error in the fourth film because Snape accuses Harry of stealing ingredients again, which never happened in this movie. So, (laughs) ha ha ha. I thought Hermione's the one that steals the ingredients, but they like do a diversion in class or something? Yes, they just completely omit that from the movie. They just cut to them having all of the stuff. So I guess you could say that it still happened and you didn't see it, but it just didn't take place. So you lose that drama of making it. I think something that is a little bit lost because they don't have to get Lockhart to sign the thing and because they don't have the distraction in order to get the ingredients from Snape, I think you lose a bit of the intensity and the risks that they're taking in order to make this potion. I think in the book, it's a little more clear. I agree. And I think you're also losing, like, this is a big character change for Hermione because, like, this is the part where she's, like, not afraid to break the rules anymore. Yeah, I feel like the first time she really breaks the rules is at the end of the first book. Yes, And now she's kind of just like, no, this is what we have to do. She's not a goody two-shoes anymore. She, like, understands that there are more important things than getting good grades and like behaving. So it's really, she is kind of the driving force behind breaking all the rules for this particular avenue that they're taking, which is like finding the recipe for polyjuice and then stealing the ingredients to brew it and then brewing it in the girl's bathroom for two months. Like, yeah, 
That's all Hermione, and they never get caught because Hermione planned this one. Yes, exactly. And that was a big turning point in me. I didn't like Hermione in book one until the very end when she got kind of cool. And then book two, when she starts to go into badass mode, that's what really made me do a 180 and start liking her. They kind of take out how goody two-shoes she is in the first movie, so I think it's not as necessary in the second. But I think it's kind of fun to see her have that very quick transformation from, oh, Ron and Harry are always breaking the rules. I'm not going to do this. And then right away in book two, she's like, all right, fine. Screw it. We're making Polyjuice Potion. I'm stealing stuff. Yeah, it's a big uh, character shift, I think. 100%. 100%. Also in the Dueling Club scene later on after this fight, they have Harry and Malfoy fight against each other. And in the movie, it's just the two of them. But in the books, there's a bunch of different pairings. It's a couple different students fighting against each other. I think the movie just makes it more dramatic by pitting these two against each other with everybody watching. But doesn't everybody like turn and watch once Harry's talking to the snake? Yeah, that's the thing is that their fight ends up being so dramatic that everybody starts watching. And then the snake thing and the talking and all of that still happens in the book. But now in the movie, it's just it's the only thing going on. So it's supposed to give more of a a reasoning and draw more attention to it. But they changed some of the other things because, again, with Expelliarmus making Lockhart go flying, that's not how it works. And then Harry does Rictum Sempra to Draco, and that's the tickling charm. It's supposed to make him bust out and tickling, which I thought was going to be interesting. And in the movie, again, it just kind of sends him flying. Seems like every spell just sends people (laughs) flying in this movie. Yeah, at least in this scene, yeah. And, like, really poorly. Yeah. And, like, a really extreme blast from the wand. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, then we get to the thing where there's the snake and then Harry talks the snake down. I think the way they did that was pretty cool because he does look really menacing and that's why everyone is so scared by it. Mm -hmm. So I think they did a really good job, even though he's just telling the snake to calm down. He looks pretty scary talking in parcel tongue. Yeah. In the movie, it's almost like you get the opposite reaction that you do in the book. It's like in the book when you're reading it. It's kind of from Harry's point of view, so you can understand what the snake is saying back to him. And so you're reading this dialogue between them, and you know Harry isn't doing anything wrong. And then you see everybody's face looking at him, and they're all confused. And, like, Ron and Hermione tell Harry, you know, it looked like you were egging the snake on. Where, like, you kind of get the opposite view where you see him, and it looks like he's egging the snake on. Right, and then right, right. once he's talking to Ron and Hermione, you learn that he was telling the snake to calm down and not to attack. So it was kind of interesting to get both perspectives, I guess. Yeah, I kind of like the movie version of it better because you see something more jarring and then Harry justifies, whereas in the book, you see something and you understand what's happening and then you have to learn that everyone thinks that you're possessed or you're the heir of Slytherin. So I think I think it works a little bit better, especially in a visual format where you don't get to hear the narrator monologue. Right. This change made sense and I totally support it. I agree. Like in the first movie when he's talking to a snake in like the zoo, you can understand what the snake says. Right. Like you do in the book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like this time they cut it out and sure. yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think they did that to kind of make it more clear why people are afraid of Harry, which is a theme in the book. But then you get the scene where Ron and Hermione are explaining what's happening and they tell him you're a parcel mouth. You can speak parcel tongue. And Harry didn't directly quote, say one of my favorite things from the first movie, which is him after Hagrid says he's a wizard going, I'm a what? Which would have been really good if, if they just kept that being a bit in every movie at one point. They could, Harry, you're a parcel mouth. I'm a what? <laughs> But I think he more calmly in this movie says, like, what? I'm a what? (laughs) I'm a A what? what? (laughs) A 
possible. You can speak to snakes. Speak to what? (laughs) (laughs) And cue the random ghost just floating through Hogwarts. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Travis doesn't uh, like that that ghost. No, no, it's not that I dislike it. I'm just thinking like, what is so special about this one ghost? It just nothing. No, there's several. Oh, I don't oh, but, but one. no, but there was that one. I don't know if it was this scene or something, but there's at one point where they're on the stairs talking about something, and then a ghost just like flies out and then says something snarky to Harry and then flies back into the wall. I think that's the one Travis was talking about. It's like, what is this guy, the husband of one of the screenwriters or something? Why is he here? Did- Travis is like, what the fuck? It was so needless, and it definitely wasn't in the books at all. It's like, did someone lose a bet and you had to put this guy in the movie? What are we doing? I, we- we can make people look invisible. <laughs> Let's do it. And we can also make people fly. Well, I like how at first, like, even when you're reading the books, they're like, there are four ghosts. There's one per house. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And then there's a ghost that's a teacher. Oh, yeah. And then there's a ghost in the girl's bathroom. Like, like more ghosts just, like, keep appearing. Oh, yeah. Then there's a ghost party that is attended by all ghosts. Yes, yes. And you're like, how many fucking ghosts are there here? How many people died in this fucking castle? There's a ghost playing the ghost saw, which so many questions. I mean, they're building soldiers in this school. It's like, you do not need to fear death. Even if you die, we've got parties. I mean, it's going to be chill. Everyone just relax. Okay, so we've had a lot of fun here. We've talked about a lot, and we're going to need a lot of time to process the Hagrid ovation, which is going to come in the next episode. So let's let's call it quits for this second part of this movie. But Megan Traff, thank you so much for joining on and talking about this film. I'm glad we got through a little bit more of a chunk of this movie now that we've finished dunking on it so much, but we will get into the grand conclusion next week. But thanks so much for coming on and uh, spitting some game about this film. Well, thanks for having us, Mike. We love to be here here one more (laughs) we can do this we can do this yeah i apologize i first off when i asked you two to be part of it i didn't realize the movie was this long and i did not think we would be talking about it for over three hours but here we Uh, are (laughs) it is it is that bad (laughs) they just changed so much that we got to talk about it there's so many things that happen but thanks so much for listening in lieu of a shout out we will just give our love to Aurora Fruhoff. I'm glad that she slept through the night and did not cry during this recording. Amen. It makes me happy that she is sleeping through. It's a blessing for all parties involved when she sleeps through the night. So, Rory, if, when you're listening to this in 2025, when we've deemed that you're old enough to hear your Uncle Michael talk about curse words and stuff. <laughs> That's only like six years away isn't that gonna be so <laughs> wild do you think when when rory grows up like is that gonna be a thing is she gonna listen to my podcast yes, yes. not that she has to absolutely but like that's just something i can't fathom is she will grow up and be a teenager and i will be a late 30s early 40s uncle and she'll get to hear this thing that i made in my 20s it's gonna be so bonkers i know it's gonna be wild and rory if you're listening you're two and a half and mommy and daddy love you yeah uncle michael also (laughs) loves you for the record (laughs) let it stand that he is here. Let it be known. Let it be known that, that I love Michael you. Is also loving you. But you do appreciate my silly shenanigans. We do have a great back and forth where I will do something silly and then you will say something like Uncle Michael. I'm glad that we've entered <laughs> that phase. And then also when you call me Uncle Michael, very drawn out, 
the very much four syllables of Uncle Michael, I always <laughs> reply by calling you niece Aurora, and then it always makes you laugh. So it's a tried and true <laughs> That's what joke. Uncle Michael says. That's what Uncle Michael Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun revelation of the first time uh, Aurora started doing that. I came home to visit for LeakyCon Dallas, and I was staying at Meg's, and Megan said something, and I said, yeah, baby. And then Aurora from the other side of the room goes, baby, that's what Uncle <laughs> Michael says. And I go, whoop. Well, cursing is off the table now. No curse words Things in your are vicinity. Repeated. Yeah, because we'll just be like, <laughs> she'll be like, douchebag. That's what Uncle Michael says. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Uncle Michael I says. Had to put a nix on that. Yeah, we have avoided that thus far. Knock on wood. Thank God. You're great yeah. parents. You're doing a great job. No, oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> to but anyway. Say. We'll call it quits here, uh, and until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they put on some Skelligro, <laughs> wizard on! If you want to hear about all the experiences and the things that I've got going on with the podcast, like how LeakyCon was, how the live show was, all this other stuff, you can. I talk about it weekly on Director's Commentaries for Potterless. If you go to patreon.com slash Potterless and join the $2 or above tier, you'll get access to Director's Commentary, where I talk about all of this stuff in the past, the present, and the future of the podcast. So again, patreon.com slash Potterless and listen to Director's Commentary. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert, as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klober, Char Klaus, Lopu, Frank Chioto, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Maria Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadanera, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Aldra, Eleanor Kerlin, Rossane Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Kraus, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Takaria Ront, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withred, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingen Oddstarter, Mari Wynn, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basolet, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alicat29, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Frida J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Athel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Carrie D. Bagason, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Surgeon Than Megupta, Netta Atabani, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zina Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Remy Fontaine, Addie Bryan, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha Medueno, Benjamin Desmond, Sky Mart 6, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryan, Christina Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Leela Lita Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Flor Sake, Sierra Skiars for Georgia, Itzel Ime Ayala, Al Vega, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Wisen, Ellie Huskov Choba, Alubin Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Lee Lee, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lika Faccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mom Make Them For You, Kara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Andrea, Kerry Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Camilo Garcia, Connie Binkowski, Janet Noel Detilly, Mary Mati, Imo Sarah, Jennifer Went, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Alman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Huser, Zephyr Lawrence, Artemis Peters, Brett Clausen, Samantha Lenz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruha, 
Hoff, Emma Clark, Hermione Snape, Lior Nachum, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Malena Brandy, Marco Cepeda, Ella Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Courtney, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Jennifer from the Block, Anna Penalber, Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Karu Terra, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Six Awkward Nine, Tuzi Tran, Anthony Ruiz, Peter Mina, Heather Langeal, Weekend at Dead Cat Ladies, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Butter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Kambamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. For merch, you can go to bit.ly slash merchon. And for bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's in person or online via a review, that really helps so much. Thanks for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!